Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day, listeners. Welcome to today's broadcast. You have seen them, the people who were victimized because of war. If you think about it for just a moment, you can see their faces. The faces of the people in war-torn countries who have lost everything. Their homes were destroyed, their loved ones dead, their livelihood is gone. You've seen it also in the pictures of the recent earthquakes and hurricanes. That look of despair and of being utterly devastated. There was much sadness and great grief, people mourning because of all they lost. But is that what Jesus is talking about? Is that what he is referring to in the words of our text when he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted? Is Jesus talking about people who have lost their loved ones, their goods, their possessions, because of wars or earthquakes or floods or accidents? Is he saying that all who mourn because of such and similar disasters, that all such are blessed because they will be comforted? Who is Jesus talking about in this beatitude? Whom does he pronounce blessed here? Surely it's no secret that every day there are thousands, yes, perhaps even millions of people who mourn, who are cast into deep sorrow, who are burdened with grief. Mourning, sadness, grief, it's an emotion that is experienced by people everywhere. When a loved one has died, when a great loss befalls them, when a catastrophe overtakes them. And no one may say that such grief and sorrow is not genuinely experienced. No one may say that you can only know and experience real, genuine sorrow when you are a Christian. The word Jesus uses here is a word that means to be sad, to grieve, to mourn. It's the same word that is found in Matthew 9, verse 15. The disciples of John had come to Jesus with the question, Why, Jesus, don't your disciples fast? We fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples, Jesus, don't fast. How come? And then Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Jesus uses the same word here. Can the wedding guests be sad, he asks? Can they be grieving while the bridegroom is with them? Jesus is speaking here to the people of the covenant about the people of the covenant. In other words, it is the children of the Lord who are being addressed in Jesus' sermon. And he is talking to them about the church, about the Israel of God. Jesus is saying to the people of the Old Covenant, You are blessed. You are blessed also when you mourn, because you surely will be comforted. In the second place, we seek to answer the question, What are these people mourning about? Now, the short answer to that question is sin. The people Christ speaks about in this beatitude are grieving because of sin. Oh, it's true, people can be sad for any number of reasons. They can be sad because of sickness, pain, bereavement. They can be sad because of material loss or wounded pride. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. The mourning he is talking about is the mourning 
the Old Testament scriptures also talk about. Earlier in his public ministry, soon after his 40 days in the wilderness where he'd been tempted of the devil, Jesus had returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And then he had gone to Nazareth, where on the Sabbath he had attended the synagogue service. Then he had read, remember, from the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 61, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn. It is indeed true that such people mentioned are themselves sinners. They cry out to God for his forgiving grace. But it's also true that these people are themselves victimized by the power of sin. It is the sin and the rebellion of others that has brought suffering and sadness in their lives. It is the sin of others that has cast them into sorrow and mourning. Ezekiel writes about this in the ninth chapter of his prophecy. A man, clothed in linen with a writing case, was told to go through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark upon the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. Now you understand, the people who received that mark in their forehead were the ones who were sorrowful because of the sin of the people. The Lord made a point of it to tell Ezekiel, The guilt of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. The land is full of blood, the city full of injustice. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity, but I will requite their deeds upon their heads. It is against the background of the Old Testament scripture that you begin to hear what Jesus is saying in the second beatitude. Remember, the break with the Pharisees had already occurred. The Pharisees were following a course of life that was in rebellion against the Lord and his anointed. John the baptizer, seeing the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him, had said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits that befits repentance, that is, mourn. Grieve your own sin and the sin of the people whom you are oppressing. You see, when Christ came, the sin of God's covenant people was great. They no longer lived in godly fear. They no longer worshipped the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Rather, their worship of the Lord was a self-willed worship, and their walk of life was at best only an outward observance of the demands of the covenant. They indeed observed the form of true religion, but they denied the power thereof. Jesus saw that, and he knew how devastating it was. He understood what suffering that meant for those who sincerely sought the consolation of Israel, who were deeply sorrowful because of the falling away of God's covenant people from the path of righteousness. There were such. There were the people who were sincerely sorrowful, there were people who suffered anguish of soul because they knew that things were so very wrong, and yet they felt utterly helpless to do anything about it. It was to such people that Christ addressed this word as he spoke the Sermon on the Mount. Also today, there are the leaders of the people who seek to assure the faithful confessors of the name of Jesus that all is well in the church. Oh, yes. There are different interpretations of the scriptures, they say. 
But those who advocate radically different interpretations of Scripture are equally devoted to the Scriptures. And therefore they say, Let no one alarm the people. Let no one warn the people. Let no one call the people to mourn the corruption and the rottenness that is eating at the very heart of the church. The people who sense that things are so desperately wrong, the people who in all sincerity and simplicity of faith believe that truth is a matter not of discovery but of revelation, the people who believe that the truth of God must be embraced and obeyed as revealed, such people are harassed and they are persecuted. Such people suffer anguish of soul as they ponder the question, Why is it that the Scriptures are no longer understood as of old? And why is it that we are shunned and ridiculed? Such people are deeply troubled. They mourn, they grieve, they are sorrowful. But they may hear Christ say to them, You shall be comforted. And then you've got to ask, Why is it that they will be comforted? What is the nature, what is the essence of their consolation? As you know, the Holy Spirit is spoken of in the Bible as our comforter. The Bible uses the word paraclete, someone who appears in behalf of another. He is a mediator, an intercessor. He's our helper. He stands with us in our battles. He dwells within us to strengthen us for the battle. So what Jesus says in our text is this, You, my child, are blessed. Why? Because he who is with you is more and greater than he who opposes you. You are firmly rooted. You have a sure foundation. No, Jesus does not say that there will be no battle. And he does not say that we will not have to face the battle. He does not even say that the battle will be won in our lifetime. But he does assure us that we will be more than conquerors because our Comforter came to us on Pentecost. With His coming and through His coming, the church is being called and the kingdom established. It is important to read carefully what it is Jesus says here. In the first beatitude, Jesus speaks of a present reality, blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But in this second beatitude, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And that does not mean that they who mourn have no comfort today. Surely not. But it does mean that the perfection of this blessedness is something we may look forward to, something that will be ours for all eternity. They shall be comforted. That blessing was fulfilled at Pentecost, when the Spirit came to live with the church. But also that blessing awaits a far richer fulfillment when Christ shall come again upon the clouds of heaven. Then all the causes of grief will be no more. Then there will be no longer any sin, or the power of sin, or the destruction of sin. And then God shall wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Praise the Lord! Let us then keep the faith. Let us never waver, for he is faithful who promised. His word of promise will never fail. Thank you for listening. Till next time.